You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. When you hear the head of the Marlins front office say, it wasn't Rick Hahn who traded Jake Berger. She was dealing with Kenny Williams. It gives me hope that Rick Hahn is on the way out the door. Remember, Socks in the Basement is brought to you by Cork and Carry at the Park. You heard the ad at the beginning of the episode. At this point, I would say it's the best part of your White Sox game day experience. 33rd in Princeton, see more at CorkandCarry.com. I am convinced that the circle that has protected people like Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams and terrible White Sox decisions is slowly, but maybe quickly, disintegrating. Because I'm starting to notice less and less coming to their aid. I'm seeing Scott Merkin, our good friend Merck, who works for Major League Baseball. We went through this a couple of years ago with him because I was like, do you work for the team? And he's like, and we, we did it right here on the show, right, Ed? I asked him all yeah. those questions. Oh, yeah. He's like, no, I don't work for the team. I work for Major League Baseball. MLB.com, like, I'm not going to see Jerry in the hallway and be like, you suck, right? Like, I'm not going to be like, Rick, you're a terrible general manager. Like, that's just going to cause trouble at the office, right? But he and a lot of other guys, like, they'll report the stories. Merck is very valuable when he comes on here. You get a good insight into what's going on with the team. But I've noticed, and it it, it may have been after the exchange that he had with uh, Rick Hahn after the Giolito trade. And Scott Merkin said, what is the message to the fans? And Rick Hahn looked disgusted at Scott Merkin. Like, how can you ask me that question? And he poo-pooed him. He put his head down. He did like this classic thing that you do when you don't like the question. And you want it to go away. He disregarded Merck. He put his head down. He looked down at his water bottle. He moved away from the microphone. He picked it up. He started drinking the water bottle and then shook his head and said, I don't want to talk about that and tried to blow the question off. And Merck didn't let him off the hook. He went right back at him. But you've made these moves. What what are you saying is the plan? And then Han just had the look of death on his face. Because I'll be honest with you, I think the White Sox and guys like Rick Han have enjoyed over the last many years. The fact that they can avoid people like us, Ed, but they can get a question that probably isn't as harsh from those that see them every day. Guys eating off of the buffet. But the guys eating off of the buffet aren't letting him go anymore. And if you look at Merck's tweets recently, I mean, the Texas series was hysterical. Wouldn't Marcus Simeon look good on the White Sox? Would have been great if they would have kept him around. Corey Seager was available last offseason. Like, Merck is going at him. Like, he's not just going to, like, write an article like Rick Hahn sucks, but he's not being nice anymore. And you look at the Sun-Times coverage and the beat reporters, and a lot of the beat reporters are doing it. I'm not just saying it's just Merck. A lot of the guys that are in the room listening to Han lie to them are finally really going at him. They're going at him in tweets. They're going at him in articles. They're going at him with questions. And, and that's a good thing. Because we've been yelling about this now for well over a year. Like in the offseason last year, I said, fire Rick Hahn. Remember that? I was like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. 
He doesn't know what he's doing. He needs to go. He is not just because of Tony La Russa, this team was bad. But at the time, we're like the idiot on a hill that's shouting, right? We're just that silly podcast. Well, it turns out the silly podcast was right. It's been right a lot. Unfortunately, I wish I was wrong, Ed. I wish that Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams were able to sit down on a weekly basis, crack open a cold one and laugh in their office about these fools in their basement on the South Side who do a podcast and don't know what they're talking about. But time and time again, they've proven us right. Time and time again. And now I love watching the mainstream media. I love watching the guys that are eating at the buffet at the White Sox games that are covering the team. And as I've said it before, Merck is a great reporter. He gives so much insight to the White Sox. But I'll be honest with you, I think Merck, and he probably would admit it. I mean, he's never said it on the show. But I think he's like, well, you know, I got to walk by him in the hallway. Well, now he doesn't even care. I think these guys are so sick of watching this team be bad and listening to the garbage that comes out of Rick Hahn and the rest of the front office's mouths that they're like, no, I don't care. I'm going to start hammering them. And they're starting to get hammered, and it's glorious. Well, there's a couple things at play there, too. I mean, one is, what else can you do right now? Uh, You can sit there and you can say this is a great group of prospects that they got at the deadline, blah, blah, blah. We we know. We know. You can research that online. That's That's not news. And it's not the point of all of this, okay? The point of all of this was we've done the rebuild, right? That The rebuild that really wasn't a rebuild for starters because Rick didn't really rebuild the system. He got a bunch of prospects, but he didn't get the sustained success because the draft wasn't there. The player development wasn't really there. And I know I've, I've seen stuff on social media where people are like, don't say the Sox don't develop players because look at all this homegrown talent that's on the major league roster. But that's not the point of the of the exercise. The point of the exercise was to sit there and say, you don't develop enough guys to where you create depth. All the guys that are up here were top-end guys who were considered to be relatively can't-miss prospects. And frankly, they're missing just a little bit, all of them. But that's not that's a discussion for another day, too. You cannot cover this team without looking at it and going, well, what are you planning on doing? Because if you're going to compete in 2024 with who in your starting rotation, at least tell us you think Kai Bush is close. You think Jake Eater is close. And that gives you with Cease and Kopech, because you didn't trade Cease, that gives you four guys that you're really confident are going to be kind of top-end guys. Okay, well, that would be something. But we're not getting that. Like you said, we're getting, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk. I don't want to address the fans. Well, guess what, White Sox? We're the ones that you have to, to, to sell this to, okay? You don't have to sell this to the other GMs in the league. I don't really care what the general manager of the Rangers thinks about how Rick Hahn does things versus what the Rangers are doing. I do care that Rangers fans are being treated to a team that is in such competition that they have Max Scherzer. Yeah, I mean, I love that. Isn't that incredible? Like, they're they're like, you know what? We're going to spend our money in the right spots, not just in our bullpen. We made fun of that a couple of months ago. Like, look at how much well, we, we spend we, on our bullpen that the, compared to, like, the whole time. what other teams do when they build. I, I want to read you just a couple of tweets that I put out this week after Jake Berger got dealt, okay? And I said my piece on the Jake Berger thing. I, I, I don't need to get into that anymore. He's no, a Marlin no, no, now, no. And, and good for him. But one of them I had written was like, the White Sox just traded one of their biggest power hitters and the player who shines a light on failures like Moncada and his money the brightest. A very White Sox move. And then later when the Marlins did on his debut, $5 burgers for the debut of Jake Berger. Like, I mean, think about that. 
Look how much the White Sox basically ignored Jake Berger. And the, the Marlins got him, and they celebrated it throughout the stadium with a promotion for him the day he showed up. And he wasn't the only acquisition that they had in their trade deadline, but he was their star. They were so excited to get him. And I wrote, in 24 hours, the Marlins have already done more with Jake Berger at the ballpark than the White Sox ever did. One team is excited to have him. The other kept trying to bury him. Now, here's the thing. You could think I'm an idiot shouting at uh, at a cloud like an angry old, old man. And I don't know what I'm talking about. And I get it. He had a low average and he needed to develop. But we went through it on the last show why it was a loss to move on from him. For a lottery ticket, which is what every prospect is, is a lottery ticket. You had a guy that was going to hit home runs and play hard for you. But since he's been traded, suddenly there's a lot of people with the last name of Burger liking tweets that we're putting out that say that. I found that funny. I think the Burger camp agreed with those things that we said on the show and what we tweeted out because I can see it. So, I mean, it is a real thing and it's crazy, but that, I mean, that's crazy if that's real, right? Like I say it because it's one of my crackpot theories and they're like, yep. This gets us right back to what you're talking about with Merck, right? This You're saying here's one of your crackpot theories and here's two guys in a basement on the South side espousing, you know, random weird thoughts about the White Sox and we're just two dudes who don't know what we're saying. But the reality is, is that you didn't have to look very hard at whether or not the team was trying to bury Jake Berger. In the last couple of years, this year is basically his rookie year. He had a couple of cups of coffee here and there prior to that, right? But they never really gave him a chance to do anything because they were log jammed, first of all, at sort of positionless bats. And they didn't really want to commit to him as a DH. They didn't even want to necessarily platoon him with Gavin Sheets. They, you know, they didn't know where to put Andrew Vaughn because Jose Abreu was still in the way. Really, Abreu leaving is the only reason why Berger gets an opportunity because he's behind the golden boy, Yohan Moncada. And there are times when Moncada would be hurt, which is frequent, but there were times when he would be hurt where they wouldn't put Berger over there because of his defense or whatever, but they wouldn't give him a chance. But every time he came up, he always did something good offensively. And you sort of knew it. And you you kind of, we, we talked about it several times too, where you sit there and you go, okay, if the guy wants to try second base, try him at second base. Right, and look what he did there. Look what he did there. We're like, they're going to put him over there to make him look foolish. And he actually did well there and kept hitting. And they were like, well, we got to get him off the team. He makes But here's look the other dumb. thing too, okay? You have opportunities the last couple of years where the team was better to compete, and you're sitting on a guy that clearly has value around the league. And and maybe it took him actually doing it in the majors to up his value. I agree that this is a sell-high potential for Jake Berger because he could come back down to earth. But it also has the potential that it also has the potential that he's Max Muncy. And in five years you're sitting there going, yeah, he hits for a low average, but look at what he does. And you're you're sitting there going, also, wouldn't it be nice, like, you know, Merck saying, wouldn't it be nice if they had kept Marcus Semien around? Right. Wouldn't it have been wouldn't it have been nice if they had kept Jake Berger well, around? We, we're, we're gonna see that. We're gonna see it in five years, my friend. We're gonna see in five years how this all worked out. And if I had to put my money down right now, I think you'll look back at it and say, eh, I don't know if that was a good trade. My, my question is, where was trading Jake Berger, though, Before, if you were never intending on using him? Where was trading Jake Berger to help this team last year, help this team two years ago? I agree. When he's a prospect where you could bring back a pitcher, you could bring back something that you're missing in terms of a middle infielder, you could bring back 
something. He did. He had, he didn't have this value, but he could have been somebody you could have moved. And it, again, it's very short-sighted and everything they do is very short-sighted. Uh, if you're going out, you're looking for an exterior window, a door, a patio door, a storm door, don't be short-sighted. Don't sit there and like call the regulars that you see on the, on the commercial ads on the television who are going to show up with a dingy sales uh, piece that's not really what you're going to buy and they drag it out of their car. It kind of looks like a suitcase if you've ever seen this before. And then they open it up and there's like this miniature window in it. Or like, look, it opens, it closes. And, and you, you're trying to imagine what it looks like in your house. Forget that. You go to Window and Door Superstore of Oak Forest. They're not going to sit in your house and drive you nuts and tell you if you don't take the deal, then it's gone once I get in my car. No. It's always there. The deal's always there. Everything's full size. Everything's there for you to look at. All the window etchings, all the all the options. They're not in a catalog. They're there for you to look at. The owners in the showroom, the owners on site, their own workers there as well. They don't farm out the work. They always do it right. They've been doing it that way for 40 years. All major brands, custom made, no stock items for a perfect fit. Visit them today. Visit them this weekend. Half block east of 159th and Ridgeland at 6280. 159th Street. See more at windowdooroakforest.com. Let's get into what the White Sox have, though, really coming to them. And it's not 2024. Well, that sounds ominous and threatening. What what do they have coming to them? 2024 is a mess, Ed. We we said that in the offseason. When we floated the idea of dealing Tim Anderson, this is a real thing we said on the show. I said, Tim Anderson is trending down. He's got some issues going on. It'd be a good time to move him now while he has value. And if you move a guy with that contract, it would be something you could bring back, something really big, maybe an actual major league starting pitcher who's young and controllable for a couple of years to give a team that needs Tim Anderson. And then go out and spend your money on Corey Seager. Remember that? Yeah. We, we, we talked about Seager or Dansby Swanson. Or... Dansby Swanson. There were a lot of guys. That I, Dansby was the one I was like, that's very attainable. You go get Dansby yeah, Swanson. I, I, Dansby felt good. Right. And I was like, you go do that, and you could start to change the makeup of the team a little bit because he's an asset. Because I didn't think they had enough for 2023. It's all there. It's a podcast. It's on demand. You can go back and listen to it. it, it I'm not changing it. It's been sitting there on record for you, on demand, anywhere podcasts can be found and always at SoxInTheBasement.com. We said this in the offseason. We've got a a number, a lot of wonderful listeners who listen to us on a regular basis, and you guys know. Yeah, you know. Tell your friends. And I sat there and I said, I know it's crazy. I know people are going to get mad at me, but what if you did this? And then you were able to change the makeup of this team a little bit because it really isn't built correctly. And I said, and you can go out and you can use some money to go spend in free agency and don't use it on your bullpen. Use it on use it on players and take a valuable player like Anderson who's got this year and got the option the next year and move him now because I feel like he's on a downturn. And, and that was the idea that we floated out there for the White Sox front office to get. And I said, because I don't believe they're ready for this year and I know 24 is a problem. You knew 24 was a problem. They didn't have pitching in the minors and they were going to have to sell off or they were going to lose in 24. But 25, they were set up for it. And that was what I said. I was like, you could still be competitive in 23, punt 24, and be good in 25. Now, they're going to sit there and tell you how they're going to compete next year, but they're not. They're not going to be able to compete next year. Well, the, the, the only time the only time that, that they can sit there and say, realistically, we will compete in 2024 is at the end of next year's offseason – they spent a hundred million dollars. If they right, if they show that they have filled all the holes that are on the team. Right. But but back to what you're talking about. Let's start with the starting rotation, right? Well, no, before we even get to that, before we even get to that, I just want to point out 2025 will be a year in which every single 
like prospect, maybe with the exception of Noah Schultz, is projected by most lists, including MLB Pipeline, will be in the majors. And that includes the guys that they just got. Right. right? Yeah. Montgomery, Colson Montgomery should be there probably right. midway through next year. And at the latest, he's sitting there in your starting lineup in 25. Edgar Carroll, who you just went and got the catcher, he's probably the starting catcher coming out of spring in 2025. Jake Eater, who you got for for uh, for Jake Berger, they're probably going to rush him in in 2024, but he's definitely pitching and probably going to be effective in some way in 25. Nick Nestrini, there's another guy expected basically at some point next year, but in reality, 2025 is the year. Brian Ramos, we've been waiting for him. He's in double A right now. He'll be 23 years old and probably available to you in 25. Kai Bush, who you went and picked up. In this trade, and you're talking about another guy with an ETA, he might actually get up here. By he might get a cup of coffee at the end of the year this year, but he he he's probably showing up at some point in 24, and definitely available in 25. Now I've named seven prospects. The top seven prospects of those seven prospects, if you go by the idea that most studies show that 25 percent of prospects actually work out, two of those guys will be available and actually be good. In 2025, none of them are expected to be an impact player in 24. If you just go by the law of averages. So now the idea is, what are you going to do in 25? Well, and and you're going to have some other things go on there too. Guys like Davis Martin, right? He should be fully healthy in 2025. Next year, he's going to, he's going to be coming back from surgery and it's, he may, we'll find out if how that went, right? Guys that are, are like, uh, Corey Lee, the catcher that they picked up in the Kendall Graveman trade. You're probably going to find out something about him. I would have hoped you would have found something about about him this year because they got rid of Yasmani Grandal for something, but they didn't. So you'll find out something about him next year in all likelihood. But that's that's a guy that if he's your catcher and he's the leader of the team and the guy that's handling the pitching staff, he's got that year in, right? So So there's some of these guys that if they do come up next year, this is their tryout time. For those people who are sitting there saying Jake Berger, low average, a lot of strikeouts, but the home runs, th- this is his rookie year. Next year, he might have cut down on the home, you know, he might have cut down on the strikeouts. He was he already doing made that. a little bit better contact. He was already starting to trend that way. His walks to strikeout ratio was improving in the last month. He was right. already making the adjustments in what was really his rookie year. I don't want to talk about him more. He's a Marlin. God bless him. Right. He's a Marlon. Uh, yeah, God, good luck to you, Jake. Good but. for him. I had a buddy of mine that went to the game, uh, his debut game. He just happened to be down in Florida on vacation. He's like, I'm buying tickets. I'm going to go see Jake Berger's debut game. He's like, there was a line out the door in every stand for a $5 burger on Burger Night. And why not? What an incredible promotion. He's like, he's like, they were just, everybody had like six burgers and a basket sitting in the crowd. Everybody's laughing. Everybody's eating burgers for burger. He's getting a huge pop every time he comes to the plate. And I'm sitting there laughing while I, while he's telling me this. And I'm like, and the White Sox uh, staff, like Brooks Boyer and the rest of them over there, you really dropped the ball on that one. Where was that idea? Socks in the basement listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota 
and one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. But the other thing you're talking about, too, we talked about this. I got, I got you know, people lighting into me a couple years ago when I said maybe it's time to trade Yohan Moncada while people still think he might rebound and be good yeah. and he's proven to be a frequently injured, now overpriced veteran that you're just going to have to play out the, the string with and buy him out. So you, you have, for next year, you've still got a, a guy at third base in Yohan Moncada who you're not – you don't know what you're going to get out of him, and you may not be able to trade him in the offseason to either clear space for somebody to come up or to maximize any kind of value out of him. So you just got to see what you have. You now have Liam Hendricks sitting there. He's not going to pitch next year. We know that you're not going to pick up the option. So there's some money coming there. But but what are you going to spend in the offseason? Who are you going to spend it on is going to be the key because you still have to figure out what to do with a lot of the guys that are currently sitting on the 2023 roster that are going to carry over. But to your point about 2025, a lot of that starts to fall away or can be gotten rid of very easily in favor of, you know, where do you want Colson Montgomery? Because Tim Anderson won't be here. Do you want him at short or is he your third baseman? What I'm looking at when I look at 2025, first of all, 24, you could free up a little bit of money. if They really want to compete. You you take the option to buy out Liam Hendricks now with the Tommy John. And don't worry, folks, he's still getting the 15 million. It's just over 10 years. And it frees up an awful lot of money. And and the White Sox can take care of them, the Hendrickses. They could take care of Liam. They could take care of his rehab. They can still treat him well if they do that. They, they just have to be good people. So uh, it, it would make, it's like a no brainer to me. Like, I'm really sorry that he went through what he did. I mean, look at the guy. The guy had cancer. He fought his way back. You and I were very surprised that he was built up enough to be able to go out and pitch. And then he went out and pitched. And now he needs Tommy John. And that, that's terrible. I feel bad for him. I feel bad for him too. And and I, it makes sense though that it would happen. Because remember, he was, he came here pitching on, on a partially torn right. ligament. And he'd been doing it for years. Look what his body went through. So, yeah, it's not surprising. But in the end, he's still going to get his money. So I think it's like a no-brainer that you free up that money and just say, Liam, we're going to pay you for the next 10 years. Get your Tommy John surgery. Get yourself rehab. Go sign a deal with somebody else. He's going to be fine. But the thing is, when you look at what's going on with this team in 25, they don't have a lot of guys that they're really tied to. So a good general manager could really build a team. And this is why... No matter what Rick Hahn did up to this point in the offseason, this is when you relieve him of his duties. And you let a really good general manager ramp up in 24 and then in 25 have a roster that's basically a bunch of arbitration and pre-arbitration players. Luis Robert Jr. at $15 million a year. Andrew Benintendi at 17.1. And three guys that you can buy out if you want to. You could pay Yohan Moncada $25 million, but who in their right mind would do that? Why? So you're going to buy him out at $5 million, right? 
You can pay Eloy Jimenez $3 million to go away or $16.5 million as a team option. It'll depend. He'll be one of the more he, interesting. He might be. He's a wild card. He might He might be worth that 16.5. He'll be one of the more interesting guys over the next year or so when you try to decide, is he worth $16.5 million? And then another $18.5 million if they pick up the team option in 26, they get out of that one for free. Does he work out for them or do they let him go for $3 million before 25 begins? And then bummer, you can pay him $7.25 million if you're a fool or you can buy him out for $1.25. So they'll buy out Moncada and bummer. Jimenez is the wild card. Benintendi and Robert Jr. are on there and everybody else is an ARB or pre-ARB player. There's so much money to play with in 25. And that's why... First of all, not only are they not going to compete in 24, they'd be stupid to compete in 24. They could spend some money and build up. But I mean, you got a treasure chest. Imagine being a new general manager walking into this team right now this offseason and looking at the money that is not tied up, that's freed up for you to have in 25 and knowing you have 24 to build because the fan base is just happy that it's not Rick Hahn, right? Like that guy walks in on easy street. And like a fantasy baseball manager or a guy who's playing MLB The Show can just walk out there and build the team the way he wants to like that. And he's got a bunch of prospects that are sitting down there now because of what Han traded away. And he could just go do whatever he wants to go do. Are you really going to entrust that to a guy that's never accomplished anything, never won anything, and is now really on his third rebuild, even though he won't call it one? Or are you going to go get somebody new? I mean, it's, it's, it's a no-brainer for everybody in the world except for that guy who's the billionaire that's in charge of the team unless he's already made the decision and he's just doing a Jerry Reinsdorf thing, which is I don't fire guys in the middle of seasons, right? Like he's always kind of been that way. And you hear Rick Hahn's quotes recently and he may think that he's going. Like he's doing his job, but that job might not be his job in October or November. Well, and nobody would blame Jerry if that was the case. And in fact, I think people would celebrate if if that was the case that Rick Hahn was. If gone. Rick Hahn gets fired, beers are on me. I will declare a spot. We'll go to Hailstorm. We'll go to Court and Carey. We'll go to both. All right. I'll, I'll declare it a day. We'll have a. We're gonna have a party. We're gonna have a bon voyage. Rick Hahn, fire him into the sun type of party. You know what we'll do? You know what we'll do? We'll get a big like like a like a Velcro sun. Right. We'll put it on the wall of the bar. And we'll get little Rick Hans, and people can use a slingshot to fire him into the sun all day while we're drinking beers. That's what we'll do. Yeah, well, maybe we'll throw some prizes up there too. Right? And, you know? Yeah. <laughs> hey, like I mean, we'll have so much uh, this, fun this, on this, Fire this Rick Hans. This is already sounding a lot more fun. So Jerry, <laughs> please come out and join us. But, right? Uh, I, like, we can have so much fun on Fire Rick Hans Day if they fire Kenny Williams and Rick Hans. If he cleans house, pants off, dance off. I'm not kidding. Taking him off. I, and I, I don't think Hailstorm or Cork and Carey want me there, so I'll have to do that in the privacy of my own home. But I mean, like, I, I'd be ecstatic because I don't believe it's going to happen. What'll happen well, here is no. that the, the, they're just, it, Kenny's never leaving. Him and Daryl Boston are, they're, they're, they don't need to build him a statue. They're just going to be there. When they're dead, they're just going to kind of laminate him and put him in a corner. <laughs> it's just going to be a sarcophagus out there. They're going to put some heavy laminate, little spar urethane over there so that they don't, if they get wet, they don't melt. And they're just going to put the bodies over there in the corner. Not, e- not even a statue. It's just going to be them. They're never leaving. The two of them, the roommates. The two roommates are never leaving the ballpark. 
So is this where we are though, as a fan base? Like we're, we're the thing that we're rooting the most for is, is Rick Hahn getting fired into the sun and a laminated Daryl Boston and Kenny Williams, or are there players on this team that you're still kind of sitting there going like, you know what? I really am invested in this. Team. Oh no, no, no. I'm going to tell you something right now. I love Luis Robert and I think Luis Robert is a star and, but I don't think Luis Robert is a leader. And I don't think Luis Robert is that piece that you need to push you over. to. I mean, like he's the really good ball player in the in the locker room who's not going to lead the locker room, right? Right. I, I thought what Ozzie Guillen said recently was really poignant and true. Because he talked about the 05 team and he said something like, Canerco didn't even talk to anybody. He was the captain of the team by example. He walked in, put his uniform on, went out and hit, and earned everybody's respect he wasn't walking around rah-rah. Carl Everett believed that dinosaurs were not real. He thought demons took dinosaur bones. This is a real thing. You can look it up. He thought demons took bones and planted them in the ground to fool all of us so we wouldn't believe in God. That's what Carl Everett was. And he was on that team. A.J. Pruszynski one time punched his own coach right between the legs. Because after he got hit with a ball between the legs and the coach said, are you okay? Are you hurt? He punched him in the same spot and said, I don't know. What does it feel like? The team was full of wild, crazy guys who not were all very nice and all did their own thing. But when they got on the team, and this is what what, what, he said, when they got on the field, this team came together. They had a job to do. They were going to kick your butt. And we don't have that. That's not what this team is. There are not a lot of players on this team that make me think that that's who they are. Right? I, I mean, I heard I heard Pedro and I think Rick Hahn have both said Andrew Vaughn's going to become a leader. Is he? I mean, if he if he is, that's great. I haven't heard anything that makes me feel like he's a leader. Do you remember any time where Andrew Vaughn grabbed the microphone and started talking? Have you have you ever heard any whispers before if that moment? If you played a recording of five different guys and told me one of them was Andrew Vaughn, I would be completely lost. I have no idea what he's. I wouldn't be like. able to tell. And that's not to be smart, Andrew Vaughn. He's just never done it before. And now all of a sudden, they're no. like, oh, he's going to. And, gonna, and, and, and the team doesn't let the. Yeah, the team doesn't let their players do it. But look, Paul Canerco as a leader. What what Ozzy's talking about? Think back on Paulie. Okay. He went out there, not only did he do his job, but he did everything. That was the big thing. And I know Hawk is a homer and all that stuff, but there's some truth in the way he would describe the way Paul Canerco would play. He just did all the little things right. He played decent defense at first. He gave it his all, right? He hit in the clutch. He hit behind guys to move runners along if that's what the moment called for. Whatever you needed, Paul Canerico did. He did it quietly. He just went about his business and did his job and did it very, very well. It's a lot easier to lead by example when you happen to be, I don't know if I would consider Paul Canerico a great player, but certainly in White Sox lore, he was one of the greats. So that helps. Andrew Vaughn might be a guy that can lead by example. He might be a true professional who goes out there, puts on his uniform and tries to do everything right, but but he hasn't shown that he can do everything right. He's not... The hitter Paul Canerico is. He is not the defender that, you know, not that Paulie was a great defender. Andrew Vaughn's not out there at a key position making huge plays. He's not saving the day the way Paul Canerico did when the White Sox were good. He could end up being really good. But he's not there yet. But again, like no reasonable fan 
believes they're walking into 24 and Andrew Vaughn becomes the second coming of Paul Canerco. And everybody has a career year. Nobody gets injured. And Yoan Mankato all of a sudden plays to his capabilities. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com.